0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps and Onyx Hunt. Now, you guys have heard me talk about Onyx a lot over the course of the last couple months. And I love the digital mapping uh, that you can do on this app. Uh, I love the fact that you can journal uh, all of your encounters. You can document sign. You can basically tell a story on that app. But one of the cool things that really sticks out to me and one thing that I've been using a lot this year is the ability to attach a photo to a waypoint. And for me, that's a big deal. So when I'm digging through my trail camera locations or my uh, tree stand locations, I can attach an image and say, "Okay, this trail camera has this buck showing up on it or this tree stand I had an encounter with this buck." And it it is just one of those things that, again, helps me make faster decisions... You know, based off wind direction, based off access routes, based off of time of year, crop rotation, right? But that photo allows me to know what deer are in the area and it allows me to do, you know, make better decisions. And, you know, for the guy out West, you could do the same thing. Hey, check, I had an encounter with this bull last year, or I had an encounter with this antelope or this buck last year, or this herd of does was over here. And it's just another tool that you can use to journal and document your season on Onyx, If you want to find out more information about Onyx, visit OnyxMaps.com. And if you want to save 20% off your first purchase of Onyx, enter the discount code NATION20. N A T I O N 20. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today the topic of conversation is all about e-bikes. And uh, our guest today is Danny DeAngelis, and he is a recent e-bike purchaser, and he actually went through a whole bunch of research Researching e-bikes, uh, components, make and model, how it's branded, uh, how the battery works, power, all the stuff that goes into what makes a good e-bike. He recently did a whole bunch of research on this topic and he's hopping on the podcast today to chit chat about that Uh, and eventually he ended up purchasing one so he's going to talk about what brand he went with and how he uses it in I guess his hunting strategy and and if he likes it versus you know and all the other brands basically that uh, he went in and researched looking for the best possible option for what he what he does Um, I know personally I look at e-bikes a lot I've never bought one I've ridden them they're awesome Uh, but I look at a an e-bike almost like a bad boy buggy now I don't even know if the bad boy buggy brand is still out there but I do know that from you know as a from driving my truck into a property the truck is loud it's disruptive it has a big footprint an e-bike may be a good option for me at some point however an e-bike you know that the top brands like Quiet Cat or Rambo may be expensive compared to what Danny has found in this episode. So I'm not going to get too much more into it. I know that if I could afford one, I would definitely be buying one. I am going to let Danny... Uh, discuss this with all of us today so hopefully you enjoy Uh, when you listen to this episode what I want you to do is go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page or Instagram page and when you see this post talking about this episode comment on whether or not you would like uh, e-bike or you would use an e-bike and if you think e-bikes should be legal on public land so Danny did a lot of research on that on that end as well and I have some questions for him on that topic but uh let's just quit talking and let's get into today's episode which is all about e-bikes all right on the phone with me today Mr. Danny DeAngelis how you doing man I'm doing good buddy Good deal, good deal. All right, so the topic of today is e-bikes, hunting with e-bikes. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, we're going to do what we always do, and I'm going to ask you, what do you do for a living, and where do you live? Okay. Sounds good.
1: Well, I, um, I'm in the car business. I'm a warranty rep. So basically, I go out to car dealerships, and dealers are my customers, and they sell my service contracts and gap insurance and all that good stuff you do when you buy a new car so i'm on the road a lot and um listening to podcasts <laughs> and um uh, so and listen to podcasts dreaming about hunting uh when i get the time to go out there and um i live in uh, canton georgia so i'm down here in the south
0: okay so the south uh so do you hunt a lot in the south or do you hunt kind of all over the place
1: primarily in the south but i do go up every year i've been going for the last seven eight years up to illinois got a little 40 acre track up there that's part of my um my family's land that um i hunt just specifically during the rut
0: gotcha okay 40 acres uh during the rut in illinois and then you bounce around georgia the rest of the year
1: yep yeah in georgia we have i got a about a almost 700 acre lease um that i hunt on and Every now and then, venture out on some public land, some Corps of Engineer property that's close
0: by. Gotcha. How's that treat you? How's that Corps of Engineer ground?
1: It's good. Um, you know, it's Corps of Engineers is boat only, which is nice because that's all I do. And I'm not to worry about getting shot at or anything like that. And primarily from the areas that I'm in, it's pretty low key. You don't get a lot of pressure around there. Um, you know, it's, it's not the greatest areas to go to chase a big buck down, but.
0: You know, if you want to go out and choose some does for some meat, it's, it's pretty solid. Good deal, good deal. So, uh, I take it that uh, uh, what's that forty? What's that forty like up in Illinois? Good, good piece of ground if you play your cards right. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's prime. Um, my uncle used to own about two thousand acres up there, and it's in central Illinois, about forty five minutes southwest of. Um, uh, Springfield, Illinois. Yep. So it's the 40 acre track that I'm on. It's surrounded by bean fields on one side, corn on two sides, the cow pasture on the other. And <clears throat> it's strictly timber. Um, so it's the cover during the rut. It's on fire. Oh boy. It's, it's hands down the best place I've ever sat and hunted. That's why I take one week of my vacation every year and I go sit there and I sit all day. And I'm not saying I shoot something every year, but I always come very, very close if I don't shoot something to, you know, a, a, a very mature buck. Yeah. Um, size to me is whatever, you know, I'm shooting for age class Yeah. and, um, it, it's, it's pristine though. It's, it's a diamond in the rough and
0: if they ever sell it, I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can afford it, right.
1: If I can afford it, yeah, yeah, because land up there, starting to get really
0: expensive. Yeah, I hear that. All right, so uh, there's that. All right, so we're going to do one of these, what I call a hard transition, and we're just going to get right into the topic today. Um, Mm -hmm. E-bikes, right? You uh, sent me an email, and you're like, hey, Dan, uh, one thing I haven't heard you talk about is e-bikes. So I want you to, uh, I guess, talk to me or tell us why e-bikes, you know, why you reached out to me and said, hey, let's talk about e-bikes.
1: Okay, well, we I heard you on your podcast with your buddy, Mark Kenyon, over there, and you guys had mentioned, you know, e-bikes, and it just kind of triggered to me that, like, man, I haven't really heard them have a full-on conversation about these things and become more and more popular. Um, I recently took the plunge, you know, um, last year, and I'm a research nut. So, I went out there on the internet, and of course, a lot of people hear the, the, the brand Quiet Cat because right. from the in the hunting industry, that's that's the big name. Yeah, and and they're a great company; and they do great things, um, and their bikes look really cool. So, um, I kind of started there. That was my go-to point. Well, I decided that I, in my head, I just kind of justify spending, you know. A lot of money on one of these, yeah, and and what kind of use I was getting out of it. Because honestly, I have a side by side. I I use my side by side on a lease down here. It does great. You know, I try to park it far enough away to where I I have a two, three hundred, four hundred yard walk in. You know, from a good access standpoint, and getting the deer out. You know, doing work on the farm. You know, I, I could justify that. And but when I started doing more research on the e-bikes and reading other people's reviews. And just how they said that they could just get so close to their spots, you know. There's no sense you know. Accessing areas in a different manner, um, the sound, the noise, you know, compared to a four wheel or a side by side, it's basically nothing. Yeah. The deer aren't used to seeing, you know, somebody on a bike, you know, whipping past them. <laughs> yeah, um, it was intriguing. So then I I kind of jumped into the whole realm of okay. You know, if I don't want to spend, let's just say three four grand, is there other options out there? And the more digging I did, I I found other options. Okay. So that's just kind of where it all began.
0: Okay. Um, So you're saying that the the bikes that are currently branded to the hunting community like quiet cats and rambos and i don't know if there's any other ones that are out there i think there's there's another one that's out there that are specifically really branded towards the hunting community are um those are the more expensive brands that you found
1: typically yeah and when i say expensive i mean these are brother brands you know because they're great brands i mean people love their bikes but they do have models in their lineup that I come close to what other other guys are doing out there um and in the biking world a lot of it comes down to components that are on the bike not necessarily even the frame yeah as much because the majority of these guys are using sixty sixty one aluminum frames um which you know 60 aluminum is 60, 60 one aluminum i mean there's not a huge difference there right um you know is it a full suspension bike you know, meaning, do you have a front fork suspension and a, a rear suspension, or is it just a front suspension uh, bike? Um, and then the motors play a big part as well. You know, you got a rear hub drive uh, bike, and you have center hub drives, and they uh, are center mounted drive bikes. And you know, the center mounted mounted bikes, you basically almost add a grand to your price tag just by buying a bike that has a, a center mounted motor, just because it gives you a little bit more torque um so you know there's a bunch of variations but uh, yeah i mean in general to answer your question typically yes a rambo or a quiet cat they're just a little bit higher in the, the price range because they, they're specifically
0: targeting um the hunters that are out there yeah, yeah. all right so um so if- you'd said that you looked at the price tag and you're like, Jesus, man, these seem expensive. And that triggered you to go do research, uh, other places to see if you could find, uh, uh um, any other eBay or uh, excuse me, e, uh, bikes on the market, um, that were basically cheaper, correct? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, um, through that research, what did you start finding as you started doing research on these e-bikes? Well, i sort of finding, um,
1: that these bikes were pretty much built almost the exact same way. Um, now with the case of geometry, if you want to get real technical, you know, the geometry specs might be off just a little bit, but that's for 95% of the hunters that are out there that they're going to be using for that purpose. It's not going to make a difference. Now you talk to a professional mountain biker, you know, geometry is a big deal. Right. Um, so they pretty much use the same motor too. It's, They use a motor that's made by a company called Bafang. And whether it's a rear hub or center that's a mountain motor, it's made by the same company. Um, Their components, for the most part, are very similar um, of what they have. And from a performance standpoint, you're not going to notice a huge difference in performance. So, I mean, and I'm I'm also somebody who's been on a mountain bike quite a bit myself, and now my mountain bike is – you know, decked out and, you know, tricked out, but, you know, there's a lot more in the mountain biking than there is to jump on a bike to head to your deer stand.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> you're not, so. you're not going long, like all day, like an e-bike. I, I don't look at an e-bike No, and you could use it like this if you wanted to, but you know, when I think of what we're talking about today, hunting with using an e-bike to hunt with, I, I think of, you know, going in x distance just to a tree stand um letting it set while you hunt getting back on it riding it back to your truck and repeat however many times right so
1: exactly
0: right so the i i say it needs to do certain things but it doesn't need to do you know if you're going to be on it You know, I would take like for me personally, I would take a little bit of a bumpy ride going in, as opposed to having this smooth ride to and and save money on it. But I don't think that I would um, care if it was a bumpy ride. You know, for the I don't know hour that I'm on it compared to a mountain biking trip that I was you know on a bike eight hours, ten hours a day.
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. You know, I'm, and you're 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 hitting it right on the head.
0: All right. So, uh, components, uh, different components uh, have you know different places of the uh, the shocks and the struts on the bike. Whether it's just one on the front versus one on the rear. Um, when you start doing your research and doing the comparisons between all these bikes, other than the components and the actual price tag, was there anything else that you noticed?
1: Yeah, some offer more accessories than others do. You know, in the hunting world, I will give it to Quiet Cat and Rambo when it comes to that. If you want to put a trailer on the back end of your bike and haul your gear out, you know, they advertise that you can do that. Um, You know, if you want a a gun rack or a a bow mount or, you know, all sorts of little gizmos to add to your, your ride, um, they do offer a lot of accessories now. These other companies offer accessories as well, but they might just be like saddlebags yeah, know, to, to store things in, or a back rack to strap something down to, um, or the fenders. You know, like everybody offers the fenders to keep the mud and the dirt off you as you're, you know, riding down through the trails. So, um, from the hunting brands, they do more target the the all-around deer hunter as far as pulling your game out <clears throat> as well as getting to them from your stand. But other than that, um, I've seen guys out there on some forums that they've built their own trailers yeah. connected their bikes you know, to do the same thing if they, if they wanted to and just, they're saving the coin to do so. So you see a lot of DIY projects out there as well.
0: Okay. All right. So aside from quiet cat and aside from Rambo um, what brands did you find or cause here's, here's what I see a lot, uh, especially in the hunting industry, they'll take a product, they will brand it to a hunter even though there are other products similar to it out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, e-bikes are a perfect example that there may be a generic brand out there that, uh, you know, is marketed 100% towards the, um, you know, the outdoor hiking and backpacking crew or the mountain biking crew, uh, as opposed to the hunting industry, where they take this almost the same exact product, put a different logo on it and sell it to you know, and I'm not just saying on e-bikes, I'm saying on broadheads, I'm saying, or well, broadheads is is hunting specific, but I'm trying to maybe clothing or boots or whatever, you know, a a non bow hunt, you know, a non archery product that can be that that has crossover potential between different uh, industries. So, uh, did you find generic brands or other brands that, uh, you know, just, that, that were that did the same thing but were straight up cheaper?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just mentioned two, uh, and there's more than just two out there, but uh, the two that I, the other ones that I researched, is one called uh, Rad Power. Okay. <laughs> kind of a, a funny name. Um, and then there's another one called M2S, uh, stands for Mountain to Sea. Uh, Rad Power is based out of Seattle, and M2S is based out of North Carolina. And Through my research, you know, I kind of found out that man, there's this whole community out there um, of people that of e-bike users, and they and they really revolve around cities and city life because the way the laws are structured around these e-bikes and where you can take them, where you can ride them, and if they're considered a motorized vehicle or not, if you can be on a sidewalk, be on the street. You have to have a license for them. All these things kind of come into play, and so a lot of these people that live in cities, instead of having like let's just say a little moped, right? Um, they're starting to get on these e-bikes and use them to go to and from work. Yeah. And so the community in these bigger cities has really grown to taking advantage of the e-bike and e-bike world. So Rad Power, for example, and I'll just go ahead and tell you. I mean, that's the one I bought. Whether it's the best one i think out there or not doesn't matter but i bought rad power specifically because they are actually and i think like 65 or 66 fastest growing company in the country right now
0: oh wow um
1: they uh their customer service is i've actually had to use their customer service just once or twice just when i got the bike it was missing a couple things um during pack uh, during delivery but um just right on spot i mean just hands down the best if you read reviews about them their customer service is excellent
0: so so you um, call the company they answer and they talk to you human to human
1: oh absolutely okay. and, and they're a they're a, a direct to con, to consumer company so they okay. don't sell through you know
0: other other stores out which there, is uh you know a margin or a, a price increase if it goes to a box store Period. exactly right okay cool
1: exactly yeah so they just go direct so yeah, and that was kind of nerve wracking to be honest, because I have never been on one, and I think a lot of people out there don't know what they're like, and they kind of get nervous if you can't, you know, test drive one. Um, but I've been on a bike before, so how how big of a difference could it be, right? Right. Um, and so Rad Power out of Seattle is the company I went with primarily because one price point was really good, um, and two, uh. The functionality of it was the same as these other brands we're talking about, and for my purposes, from going to and from my stands, get in and out, it's all I needed. Yeah. You know, I had to tell myself, well, what's what's a three thousand dollar bike going to do versus a, a fifteen hundred dollar bike, right? You know, is it is it going to get me there faster? No, that's not the case. It doesn't. Is it gonna make me more stealthy? No, they're both just as quiet. <laughs> yeah. um, there was I had this checklist I went through to see if I could justify buying the really cool looking quiet cat versus the rad power bike, which is not bad looking, but you know who cares? The deer aren't gonna look at me and say, "Oh, your bike's hideous." I'm just not gonna walk past you
0: today. Right, camel pattern. You know, there's there. You know the <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. You know, you know when you look at it, a... they don't have a camel pattern. It's it's solid, but you know I could. I could get stealth strips if I want to, those camo stealth strips that you see everybody using out there today right. Or but, you can do the duct tape.
0: Yeah, what I'm getting at yeah. is, you you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, I've been in manufacturing, you know, in, in the past, and you add, especially... With a uh, anything like a bow, if you are using a cam- camo pattern, that is a process added to the manufacturing step, which is an increase in price. And exactly. also, if it is a real tree, a Sitka, a, um, a first light, a mossy oak, then they're also paying a licensing fee, which is a price increase. So you have all these other little things that add up to the total of the product which rad power doesn't seem like it it doesn't it doesn't have because it's not technically being marketed to the hunting community and it's direct to consumer which is a savings as well exactly okay okay cool yep so so i want to talk about this did when you made the decision you know you um you looked at everything, you compared price, you compared functionality, you compared components and you decided, okay, I'm going to go with Rad Power. It's and you said you paid roughly $1500 for it.
1: Yeah, it was $200 off at the time, so it was $1300 when I paid for it. Okay.
0: Bike. And then what was the shipping cost? The shipping was free. Oh, free shipping. Another big uh, you know, that's yep. important because if I, yep. I have a feeling if you had to ship it, then it uh There's another $200, you know, especially from Seattle to Georgia. Yep. Right. All right. So did you test out any other bikes and ride any other bikes before you decided on this Rad Power and made the purchase to, or made the decision to just purchase it direct?
1: No, I didn't. I wanted to. I'm not going to lie to you on that one. I I did want to, Uh, but Obviously it was Radpower being a, you know, direct to consumer company. Um, M2S, that other one I mentioned out of North Carolina, they were too. Um, what was actually kind of funny about that one is I actually tried to go to their facility and just timing didn't work out because one of my clients is, is up there probably 30 minutes from their facility. And I was like, Oh, that'd be a good, good chance to do so. Um, they just never made it happen. And then, you know, to be honest, I don't even know. Who or where you would find a Quiet Cat or a Rambo from a dealer standpoint? I, I think you can see one Cabela's or Bass Pro, maybe, but um, I've never seen one in the stores near me. Yeah, um, I think so probably, they're not that easy. Just the,
0: yeah, I think you know. what you would have to do is you probably go to the Quiet Cat or the Rambo website, uh, look at dealers or or locations, or try to find a trade show that these guys are going right. to be at, so you could test one out. I'm sure yeah. you know if you go to their website, there's more information about, you know, where you can actually test driver or, or find their products. Yeah. But, all right. So you got on, you ordered it, it ends up coming to your house and when you get it, uh, was there any type of assembly that was needed or was there, um, when you opened the package, did it, did you have any buyer's remorse instantly? No, no buyers.
1: More, more excitement than anything. It's like a present on Christmas again, yeah. right? You know, 36 years old and here I am opening <laughs> up this big old box and, you know, another toy. So, um, it, there is assembly required. Uh, it's very straightforward. You know, they got YouTube videos that can even just walk you through how to put everything together. Uh, basically, you know, you got to put your, your front wheel on, um, which is, very, very simple. And then you got to connect up your, um, your electronic pieces to it since it isn't obviously an e-bike. So you have a little screen that tells you, you know, your battery life, how long it'll last, um, all that good stuff. Um, so it's, it's almost pretty much just plug and play. I mean, I think it only took me 20, 30 minutes to get everything set up. Now that's just with the basic bike. Then I bought a couple of accessories.
0: Okay. What accessories did um, you buy?
1: I bought the fender uh, guards on there. Yep. To go over my front
0: and rear tires because
1: on my lease where I'm at, you know, there's a bunch of cows um, pastures that I drive through to get to my spots, and of course there's you know, cow crap everywhere. Yeah.
0: So, don't want to sprain you thing. up on you. <laughs> I, don't want it, I don't like it that much. <laughs> so, Getting the old rooster um, tail on your back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and then I also bought the. Uh, a rear rack for it. So
0: okay. just to kind of
1: paint the picture of why I did that and make more sense is I'm a very mobile hunter. Um, I, I, I bounce around from spot to spot and I'm not saying that I won't sit in a permanent stand, um, in a really good area, but I just, I like moving from spot to spot, and constantly scouting. So I, I hunt with my climbing sticks. I have my backpack in my bow. And right. In my backpack, I self film my hunt, so I got all my tree arm, my camera, and calls, and probably more crap than I actually need. Um, I get my back, I, I strap my bow to my backpack, and then I have some bungee cords that I uh, tighten my climbing sticks down to my um, my uh, back rack. Okay, And I've kind of fallen into the line of saddle hunting, so... It's really minimized my stuff that I actually need to carry with me to where I go. So it's a pretty sweet little setup. Yeah. Cool.
0: All right. So when you got it, you put it together. Um, did it After you put it together and you went on your first couple rides, no problems, no issues? Yeah,
1: no problems at all. Just a big smile on my face.
0: Good deal. Now, I want to talk about battery life. Um, with... You know the comparisons that that you've done are all the batteries the same um do they charge the same or were there any uh difference uh, um was there any difference so between... the way the
1: batteries work is you know you have different size batteries you can you know a five hundred watt seven hundred fifty watt even a thousand watt battery um just gives, you some you know more power um and more time out there and the seven hundred fifty watts one mine has. And as far as charging goes, it takes four to six hours to charge once. Um, The time it will last is kind of a loaded question just because terrain matters. You know, your body weight matters. You know, how much gear you have. Uh, But just to give you a rough estimate from what I've seen, uh, miles-wise, if I'm using full throttle, so no pedal assist, I'm just using the throttle portion of it. um, And I am on... Semi rolling hills. Uh, we'll say I can go fifteen to eighteen miles.
0: Okay, um,
1: and that's no—that's no pedal assist whatsoever. So I'm just sitting there, with my, my feet stationary, and, and turning the throttle. Um, if you're on flat land, um, you can go twenty to twenty-five miles.
0: Okay, that's a long, and before your next charge, exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. now, do, how does this work? I know that. When I think of a battery, and I, I've I've ridden on an e bike before, but I've never ridden long enough to where I've watched a battery become drained. Right. So mm-hmm. on these uh, on these e bikes, when you're driving them, do you have the same power at the beginning that you do at the end of the battery life? From what I've noticed,
1: once it starts to get, I'm talking pretty low. You yeah. know, like
0: you're on your last bar
1: um it gets a little sluggish but not to where it still can't operate on its own yeah Um, like you notice like if you're going up a slight grade you know it'll it'll start dogging down a little bit but it'll still make it
0: okay that makes sense okay all right uh so and then how long does it typically take to charge back up to full power um, four to six hours, four to six hours. Okay. Four to six hours. And then you have multi- almost, it sounds like multiple days worth of worth of use yes. on how you use it. Okay. So, Absolutely. um, so the, there's different uh, varieties of batteries and I take it the, the bigger the battery or the more powerful the battery, the higher the cost is hmm okay all right so you started uh you started using this e-bike in your hunting strategy did you notice anything right away as far as obviously you know aside from the obvious it takes less time to walk to your tree stand right you're on a bike now right. and you're able to park further away and, and close the distance and an e-bike is uh quiet but what about the deer movement on the properties that you hunt
1: so that was the first thing i noticed um and i'll just compare it more to the late season than the early season so we all probably know is typically when you get more to the later season the deer have been hunted you know they're more on edge you know they'll scatter a lot quicker than it typically would early season where they've been more comfortable yeah so this property i hunt here in georgia um it's pretty overgrown you know property owner hasn't done a, does nothing to it basically besides let cows free roam it and um, early season, you get drive by side by side out there and it's nothing to have 20 deer bouncing all around you. Um, just there's bedding everywhere. It's, I always joke about it, but it makes it kind of tough to hunt cause it's just bedding literally everywhere you look. Right. Well, late season came around and you kind of get spoiled by that. And the one day I really noticed it was, cause I was taking my uh, cousin out there and I was showing him. The property, and I said, "Hey, bring your your gun in case you just decide you want to, sh- you know, you see a doe you want to shoot real fast because you never know, you might just something might pop up, right?" And we're driving around, and we didn't see a thing. And I was there i was shocked. I, I looked at him. I said, "Man, I'm—I can't believe we didn't see a deer. I guess it's just so scattered they hear the side by side coming from a long distance, and you know they're gone before you even get near them." Now, well, that evening, you know, we went out to go hunt. And I jumped on the bike, um, and I'm heading out to my spot. The next thing I know, I <laughs> come around the bend, and I have four deer jump up within 20, 30 yards of me. And they they took off running when that happened. But when they took off running, I looked over at them, and they stopped, and they're, they're watching me. And I'm kind of looking at them that's just curious, you know, see what they're going to do. And, you know, they just they acted like I was – a ghost it was yeah. it was the weirdest thing you know it's just it's not what i was typically used to seeing on a, a four-wheeler right and <clears throat> on the way back i noticed the same thing and that's kind of a cool story is i'm i'm heading back to the truck and i'm on the bike and uh, this is actually the next day and you know i, I hunted that morning i'm on the way back around noon to my truck and i jumped two or three more deer on the way back, again, 20, 30 yards from me. Like, I literally see them jump out of the bed. And they start running down the opposite side of the fence line. This is just an old barbed wire fence, you know, separating part of the property. And they are running right alongside of me. It's like something out of freaking Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was in shock. Like, these deer aren't peeling off. They aren't going the opposite direction. They were running alongside of me. And I just kept on going, and now the bike goes 20 miles an hour. That's as fast as it'll go under full power. And these deer keep up with me like it's nothing. The next thing I know, they kind of speed up, and they jump the fence and go right in front of me and head off into uh, the pecan orchard. And I just got back to the truck, and I was just like, this bike really is a game changer, in my personal opinion. I mean, I'm not trying to convince anybody out there otherwise. My personal opinion, just from what I've seen, and I got other stories I could tell you about that.
0: Yeah, so dear, it's got some some kind of an impact, though. I mean, it gets them up. It gets them. You, you, it does. They yes, notice you. Absolutely. It's not like it's a magic cloak where you can get on it and ride it to your stand, and they don't see you. They don't notice you. There is some noise involved, but it's it's less than a four wheeler. Um it's probably more, if I had to guess, and I'm just thinking about my access routes during the fall, especially if it's dr- dry, mm-hmm. crunchy leaves. Right? It's a different kind yep. of sound. It's almost it's a continuous sound as opposed to crunch, 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 crunch. You know what I mean? Like right, right. So it there- sounds like
1: I'll tell you exactly what it sounds like because a lot of people want to know what it sounds like. Imagine a brisk wind coming through, and you know how leaves. You know, dry leaves make that that whistling sound yep. across the ground as they get blown. You know, it's and that's just a constant sound. Yeah, and that's what the bike
0: sounds like because you're just wind. Yeah, you're pushing wind as you go by. That's all right. the only thing you hear. So, if I had to guess, you know, and I, I'm again thinking about my uh, access routes uh, through through the farm that I hunt, it would probably, uh, you know. It just, there's no sound. It doesn't make any sound further away, right? At some point, it just, does, it you know, the sound isn't loud enough to where, as my as opposed to my truck, I pull it in all the way into the property and it stops and, or, you know, I got to start it and it makes a noise when it shuts off. People, the deer know it's a truck as opposed to this thing coming through and the deer would have to be fairly close to hear it to even hear yes, it yes
1: very close right yeah so the only sound you you'll hear as you're riding it like you talked about earlier on you know bumpy trail and most places you're gonna go hunt if you bounce around a little bit um is you can hear the chain you know making that like if you took your bike off the edge of a curb you know you uh, hear your chain a, little
0: kinda, ch- a little chain clanky yeah I a little gotcha. chain chatter yeah. you know
1: but you can almost avoid that even, too, if you if you decide you want to pedal and keep your chain tight. Yeah. Um, but that's it. It's just it's wheels going. If you went out and you took your regular bike, if you got a bike in your garage, and you just went over in your grass, and you rode it, that's how literally how quiet it is. There's no motor noise whatsoever.
0: Gotcha. So I want to talk a, a little bit about, tell us what this pedal assist versus, uh, versus full motor power is.
1: So pedal assist is you have different levels of power you can set your bike to. Um, the first you got, you know, I think it's on the Rad Power. Uh, I think it's three levels, if I remember right. or No, five levels. Sorry, it's five. And that's how strong you want the motor to be and how strong you want your, your pedal assist to be. So if I'm sitting there, you have a regular cassette on there, just like you would with a, a, any other kind of bike with gears. And you got to change your gears as you go. Um, and as you're pedaling, the motor is actually assisting your pedaling, so you're not having to put nearly as much force down through the pedal as you would if you had no motor whatsoever. Okay. So it is essentially just
0: assisting you as you pedal, and you change gears as you're doing it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I okay. get so. okay. All right. So you've uh. Um, there's two different, you know, you can go basically treat it like a dirt bike and just have the throttle, or you Mm -hmm. can, um, actually pedal, even though it's not pedaling, the pedal, the pedaling motion triggers the power. Yes. Okay. All right. So now I think what we really need to talk to is about where you can actually use this because your little 40 in Illinois and your lease in, um, Georgia are technically, it's technically private ground and in private ground, you can take motorized vehicles. You can uh, do basically whatever you want. However, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different laws state to state about e-bikes and, you know, whether they're treated like a actual bicycle or whether they're treated as a, a motorized vehicle, similar to a side-by-side four-wheeler or or dirt bike. And, so through your research, um, what have you found about places that you can actually use and take an e-bike? So
1: the the first one is these e-bikes are classified. You got class one, class two, class three. Um, and in those classifications, typically all the laws you're talking about, you know, they and in, in every. In you're right. Every state is different. Um, every different public area is different. So first thing I would always recommend is. If you're not sure, you know, maybe contact your local DNR and just find out just so you don't, you know, get in any kind of trouble. Um, but, you know, the bike that I have cannot exceed 20 miles an hour at, um, under full uh, control of the motor. Okay. So at 20 miles an hour, it's governed. It stops. Okay. And I'm considered a class two. And I have a 750-watt battery as well. Now, that's also really key with a lot of these different states and what you can use out there because most states will allow you to, on public land, if you're as long as you stay under 750 watts, you can take your e-bike out there on these same kind of trails that people are allowed to ride their bicycles on. Okay. Okay, and hiking trails. Now, again... Going back to it, I'll definitely double-check with your local DNR just to be safe on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked up, too, and researched. Has anybody ever had a citation for this? And I couldn't find anything. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but um, I just haven't found anything about that. Right. So the uh, 750 watts is what you don't want to exceed um, if you do want to plan on doing public land because that's where the majority of them allow you to be. Right. Um, A Class 3 is usually a 1,000-watt motor, and I think those go up to about 28 miles an
0: hour, if I'm not mistaken. And at that point, the Class 3 then would be technically categorized as a motorized vehicle? Correct. Okay, and that's based off of the the battery and or speed that the bike goes? Yes. Okay, all right, so uh, what about federal ground, like BLM or forestry ground? So,
1: again, um, they back in I think it was in August last year. They um, they passed a law where the law was the way it was even written. Uh, basically, said, you know, you're, they'll treat e-bike as if it was a regular pedal bike. Okay, and that you were allowed to ride them on these, like you say, with the BLM, like you're allowed to ride them on bike paths that are designated for current people that are allowed to ride a bicycle on a regular bicycle um but now anything off of those paths you're technically not supposed to take your e-bike okay, okay so if you decide to take a hard right and <laughs> shoot through the woods you really probably need to leave your bike right there on the edge okay um to go into the land so uh, you know wildlife areas as well i think they don't really and i know in the hunting world we think wildlife that's just you know, for hunting, but a lot of these are protected wildlife areas that aren't wmas
0: yeah, yeah and that that and I'm thinking you know I'm thinking about my personal use of where I could actually use an e-bike obviously on the the private ground that I hunt in uh, you know, that I hunt here in Iowa. I couldn't even mm-hmm. use it just because of all the deadfall in Colorado. I'm sure if I, I stayed on a road, I could use it um, through you know any place that a car can go you can definitely use one but on yep. trails you know again you'd have to talk to your local authorities but where i would really would be curious is where i would go uh where i went uh mule deer hunting you can you can mm-hmm. park and walk in but if you had a i mean even a bicycle on some of these places would be um you know, great access, you could get in just a little bit deeper than you could by walking or, you know, if I was able to use an e-bike to get in there, I could go, instead of walking in one mile, I could potentially go in two miles or more and just get way back in there where no motor motorized vehicles could go or foot traffic would go. You know what I mean? So, uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, that's 100%. I mean, it, it yeah. really
1: opens up your world.
0: Yeah. So, but, however... Go deeper uh if uh if it's considered a motorized vehicle, you know, you're you're still kind of limited and I think that uh you know I don't know. I I guess I'm I'm pretty indifferent on on an e bike because at the end of the day, you know, you obviously don't want to ruffle any feathers and that, you know, everybody (laughs) everybody puts in their own opinion where, you know, a dirt you know, what what's the difference between a dirt bike and an e-bike let's say well there's you know the obvious big differences but the you know the sound or the um the sound it makes right the gas you have to use to you know get out there versus a battery but i'm looking at it from a footprint type of what kind of footprint are you leaving you know when you're walking it's just your feet on an e-bike it would Mm -hmm. just be tires on a dirt bike it would also just be tires as opposed to like a four-wheeler or a side-by-side that you'd have to go, you know, that, that leaves a little bit more of a footprint and it, uh, a dirt bike, its noise would obviously affect the animals a little bit more. An e-bike may not do right. that as well. You know, may, that noise may not be a, uh, have a, as big of an impact. So it's definitely one of those things that I know a lot of people are, um, are talking about, and I know these brands um, are playing a big role in trying to get the bikes legalized on, you know, some of these property, you know, some of these properties as opposed to motorized vehicles, you know, getting the legalization of motorized vehicles on some of this, uh, you know, BLM land or forestry land or, or whatever. Have you found any laws or legislations, uh, legislation that's trying to get e-bikes to be, passed over top of some of these motorized vehicles as far as using them to access
1: I, I, No, I, I personally haven't um, other than just what I read online um, a few articles you know about you know how the BLM looks at it and and um, you know and typically where you can go and where you can take them so I mean it's I haven't seen these specific laws yet but I know it's become a, a bigger bigger Um, piece of conversation, um, in the community. So I would venture to say you're gonna start seeing some more things because even right now, the way it's written, um, as far as where you can take them and write them, you know, there's controversy over that because it's hard to specifically state, you know, you know, a class one, a class two, a class three, or, um, yeah. And, and people even knowing what that is right now. I mean, there, it's so new, I guess. Yeah. And not as big as, it, when, as it's going to be, in my opinion. I think it's going to be huge.
0: Yeah. And then um, you start talking. Then you have to make sure that the people who are enforcing the laws, like conservation officers, know just by looking at a bike, or they have to have some kind of training or have access to the internet right there to say, all right, let me check the make and model of this bike. And if it, you know, if that battery exceeds 700 or, you know, whatever the law says, you know, if it exceeds 750 amps or whatever, or it goes faster than 25 miles an hour or whatever, they have to know that. And then they have to be able to write citations based off of what they know and what they, you know, whatever, whatever the the laws are.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. right now you don't need to register your bike. You don't need to get a tag for it. Um, you don't need any of that kind of stuff. It's kind of like you, compared to drones.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, everybody likes drones and use them for filming. And in the beginning, you just buy a drone, fly it wherever you want. Well, mm-hmm. now you can't fly them near airports. You can't, you know, if you're going to do them for business purposes, you got to have a commercial license, you got to yep. have a registered number on it. Yep. Um, yep. You, know, you know, just like anything else, eventually there's going to become more yeah, you know, need to's yeah. um, to make sure you're. Compliant
0: with so you regulation. spent you spent uh, how much money total have you spent on this bike?
1: Uh, with all my accessories and everything, um, ship everything. Uh, it was it came out to be just under sixteen hundred dollars,
0: so like fifteen fifty, I think fifteen $1, okay. sixty. So let's just round up to sixteen hundred. Uh, yep, for this this bike. Do you do you think it was worth it? You know how you use it. Do you, how much you use it, um, the result from a hunting standpoint, do you think that that $1,600 uh, is, was worth it?
1: 100%.
0: Okay. All right. So you're a big advocate for the e-bike. And you, you think about this, right? An e-bike versus, let's just say, a $1,000 bow. Let's just say, for all mm-hmm. intensive purposes, the one of the most expensive bows on the market, um, and I know they go higher than a thousand, but let's just say, average, some of the flagship, well-known brand bows are sitting at that that thousand-dollar mark. That's only sixteen hundred more dollars for a, a bike that, in my opinion, can do so many more things than yeah, you're a bow. Right. Right, so it's crazy. I don't know. You know, just it has me thinking as well. I don't know where I necessarily stand on all of that yet, but um, definitely something to think about and keep an eye out. Especially if you're a public land hunter, if you can use uh, e-bikes in your. Because I know a lot of the guys who, if they could, they probably would. Yep. So there would
1: be no reason for them not to. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it really would take your ability like you said earlier you know just to go further right. um you know and that's what you hear about all, you know the big talk in the industry right now is you know i'm not going to just start talking about saddle hunting but um you know people kind of gravitated towards saddle hunting because one it just makes you lighter yeah you know and more mobile and the e-bike it's the same thing i mean the, it's just gonna our bodies can only do so much now there's really fit people out there yeah I'm not saying I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. I sit in the car all day. And, you know, so just walking up my stairs in my house makes me tired. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's not even for the, you know, some people I hear too talk about it saying, uh, ah, it's the lazy man's way of getting to your stand. And that's, and honestly, it's not true. I think it's just a smarter way. I mean, yeah. look at how much we've learned, like how important access is to your stand. Absolutely. Right? And you, you go today and you, Here in Georgia, I think I've, you said you've lived in the South before. I remember hearing some of your talks before. You know how hot and humid it gets down here. Absolutely. So early season in Georgia, it starts second weekend of, uh, usually the second weekend, third weekend of September. And it's, I mean, there's days I've been out there and it was 95 degrees. That's Mm -hmm. not fun. And when I got my side-by-side, Or my e bike to choose from. The e bike, I can literally, I'm not kidding when I say this, I can literally ride it pretty much to the base of my tree if I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And climb up that tree and hunt. Because deer, there's one thing I have noticed in my observations. When I was hunting on my side by side on those really hot days, there was just times I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm not going to take my three, four hundred, five hundred yard walk to my stand. I'm going to just park right here. Something comes along. Great. Whatever. You know, it's just one of those. I just want to be out here. And I've seen deer come up, notice my side by side because it looks like a big old, you know, square object that's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be there. And they don't come any, they don't go anywhere near it. They just stay right there. Yeah. The bike on the other hand, if you look at the shape of a bike, you know, it's not, let's just call it regular. It's irregular. And deer, in my opinion, they have a hard time seeing, you know, patterns are huge, right? That's why we wear camouflage. We yeah. try to blend in. In a bike's lines, if you picture a bike, the spokes of the wheels, the frame of the bike, all that, it literally could be passed along if you leaned it up against a tree from a deer's point of view, yeah, a bush yeah, or a bunch of limbs laying up against a tree.
0: Right. But, and, right, and it's even if like you it. lay it down flat on, you know, you don't use the kickstand, you just lay it down flat, it yeah, even exactly. has a lower profile. Exactly, right. so you
1: can get away with a lot more of the bike, not just from the sound and the, the scent and all that, but, I mean, I, if I can take my bike, no one even have to pedal it, because I just use the full throttle. Yeah. Take it pretty much all the way to where I'm going to be hunting if I want to. Um, I can lay it down on the ground now i'm not sweating like i would have been you know early season with all my gear on and all i gotta do at that point is just get up the tree and set up and and hunt i mean to me it's smarter (laughs) it's not not lazy it's just smarter yeah um in my opinion i mean again teach their own yeah but Access is huge. Definitely
0: something to think about. If uh, you know, number one, if obviously if you hunt private ground, this is a a less impactful way to uh, access your tree stand locations. Or maybe if you have a property similar to mine, where I can't access access it from the north, I can't access it from the west or the south. So if I want to hunt the furthest western part of my property, I have to go all the way through it, and I can take my truck most of the way and park it and then walk the rest of the way, or I can park my truck at the front and walk two miles deep as opposed to, you know, like 700 yards. But if you have this bike, it makes your access, you know, cause exactly the same as a truck, probably a lower impact. They won't hear you coming. So I definitely, I definitely see the benefits of it. I think the biggest thing that uh, people would, that holds up, you know, anybody is price tag, right? Because even though the bike that you bought was only $1,600 compared to a three or $4,000 bike, it's still a thousand six, you know, 1600 bucks compared to Mm -hmm. using your boots, which, you know, are free basically, (laughs) you know, your legs, which are free. (laughs) So, um, and you know, it all depends on where you hunt. So, but Hey, man, Danny, I really appreciate you hopping on and uh, BSing with us today. Uh, Appreciate uh, your time, man.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah. So, hey, uh, what I want to do is I want the listeners now is if they have any questions for you, because you've already done some research, where can they reach out to you? Or what's your Instagram uh, feed so they can reach out to you and maybe ask you some questions?
1: Um, If they want to email me, that would be the easiest thing. Okay. uh, Danny.DeAngelis, D-E-A-N-G-E-L-I-S, at Hotmail.com.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another Hunting Gear podcast in the books. Huge shout-out to Danny for taking time out of his day and BSing with us about e-bikes. Hopefully, this brought some clarity, uh, brought you some education, some more information about e-bikes, and hopefully... It maybe gave you enough information to make a decision whether you want to buy one or maybe you don't want to buy one. Uh, but either way, I think I'm leaning towards buying one just because I don't know. I think it would be kick-ass to have a motor or like a an e-bike, right? A motorized bike, whatever. Uh, so, if you have any questions or you want to find out more information about the hunting gear podcast, hit me up. Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram or Facebook or comment on the uh, these podcasts when I, when I release them let me know what you think if there is a topic a category or a specific product you would like us to cover you can either hit myself or bob up and we will be more than happy to chit chat about said product category hopefully everybody has a great rest of your week have a great weekend get outside enjoy mother nature and we'll talk to you next week back.